The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruiting fans by Sooners360.com. Each week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting news and provide opinions and evaluations on all things OU football recruiting. I'm Chris Mason, lead recruiting analyst for Sooners360.com. I'm joined this week by my co-host, Caleb Cummings, Sooners360.com talent evaluator and opinion creator. This is episode 55, and it is titled QB Verbal Showdown. As always, we begin with the latest Sooner recruiting news. And Caleb, I think this might be the last 25 commitment for a while, but we lead off with the commitment uh, on Friday night, last Friday night in Wagoner, Oklahoma, from 2025 defensive end, uh, outside linebacker, edge rusher, Alexander Shield Knight. He's around 6'2", 6'3", probably maybe around 225, 230. He looks in pretty good shape. Uh, Caleb, I know we've been watching his videos for a while, and we were kind of anticipating this commitment. To me, it it looks like Shield Knight's hurt this year, and he's been playing with a knee brace. So he looks a little slower and not quite as explosive this year versus his sophomore film. But uh, the most recent footage I saw of him, he looked like maybe he's starting to get over that a little bit. But uh, I like this pickup for OU. This is the eighth verbal for the 2025, the sixth in-state guy. And uh, I think this is a good pickup. He's probably, I think he projects to being about 6'3", 245 in, in college. He's not going to be a massive defensive end uh, uh, like Nigel Smith. He's not going to be like 6'6", 270. Uh, but he's probably going to be about 6'3", 240, uh, 245 range. Really productive in high school. Very good. Uh, fundamentals in terms of pass rush, how he uses his hands. But uh, Caleb, I'm going to shoot it over to you for having had a chance to watch some of his uh, some of his film. What's what's your opinion on Mr. Shield Knight and what OU is getting? 
Yeah, I actually think you did a really good job there. I uh, I know you've mentioned this in the past, comparing him a little bit to uh, uh, Trace Ford, right? What Oklahoma may have gotten had they gotten Trace Ford out of high school. Uh, I think that's that's not a terrible comp. I you know one thing about Shield Knight that is interesting, and we talk about this a little bit, right? He's he's actually. For only being in that 6'3 range, he's actually really long-limbed. He's got really long arms. Uh, and, you know, a couple things that jump out immediately, and you talked a little bit about one of them, right, but is, is how well he uses his hands. Uh, you know, he and you don't see that a ton with some high school kids, right? They're just, hey, I can beat this guy. I can run around him, so I'm going to run around him. And they don't utilize their hands all that well. But with him, you know, you see him, he brings his hands in the run game. And it may be a byproduct of playing, you know, I think what is, you know, Wagner, maybe 4A, somewhere in that in that neighborhood um, for 4A or 5A, but probably not playing against, a, you know, a plethora of future Division One quarterbacks and receivers. So maybe, maybe, maybe does just see more run game uh, on average than what, you know, some of these kids that are maybe coming out of the, the DFW are going to see, uh, you know, week in and week out. But, he, you know, really good pad level. He's really strong is one of the things like sticks out, right? Brings his hands really strong. He's a violent, uh, intelligent kid. You, you know, you see him highly competitive on both sides of the ball. I, one of the things I love about him, you know, it's one of the things I, I joked about, like with uh, Josiah Wagner, right? The first time I ever saw a clip of his was I immediately came away like, man, that kid is an asshole. And I love that. Like he's out there just, you know, lighting kids up and it just, you know, just kind of plays like a bully. And I don't know that uh, Shield Knight is quite the bully that Wagner <laughs> Wagner was, uh, but he's got some of that in him, right? Where he's just manhandling folks. You see him on offense, just you know, driving kids in the ground, throwing kids around. You just love to see that level of competitiveness. Uh, I'd say a guy that he kind of reminds me of. Uh, I think he's a little bit better against the run. Don't know if he's as twitchy, but it's Austin English. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, uh, I made that, I made that comp on. Yeah, from, from Canada, Texas. I made that comp on my, yeah, on the Canadian, on the Twitter yeah. space, the Twitter space I, I made with Barry before he had the, the knee injuries kind of sapped him of that quick twitch. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. That, no, that's, there that's, was that's a, not a, there was a year, I guess it would have been maybe 08, uh, where he had his breakout year. And I, honestly, if if you made me guess and say, what would his career look like? I think that's a really good comp. I think Austin came in redshirted and then set kind of for two additional years. You know, redshirt freshman, redshirt sophomore years. I don't think he played special teams. That was about the extent of it. And then when he got his shot as a wrestler junior, I think it was a Big 12 defensive newcomer of the year, uh, had double-digit sacks, I believe, that season. You know, then, you know, some some injuries started to sap him a little bit. Uh, wasn't quite his, uh, his his full self, you know, a little bit further down the road. But, uh, you know, I think Shield Knight is just one of the guys from a – and we talk about this with receivers quite a bit, right? Like, hey, you're trying to build a – an entire room. You're not just trying to build just this. And I, and I, in a lot of ways, particularly the way the game is played today, you have to have the ability as your defensive front to play some three really kind of quote unquote three man line, right? Which really right. most of the time you're in the three in a three down, what you're doing is you've got a bit of a guy like a trace forward 
or potentially a shield knight, but you can stand up on the edge. You can drop him in the flat. You can do some things with him to, you know, change the look and play some of this, you know, kind of rush three, drop eight and do some things to, you know, you just can't, you know, not even Georgia, nobody in today's game with as good as and precise as the offenses are can just line up and run the same thing every every you know you know give, right. give an offense the same look every time you're just going to get shredded right and so i think he just he fits and helps round out that room you know with his ability to uh to to play kind of a bit of a hybrid i think stand up some when they go to three down uh and be really a complete defensive end you know because i think that's one of the things that sticks out he's as we mentioned, really well put together. So I'm going to be real interested to see what he looks like as you get a little bit down the down the down the road, right? As he end up being just a a real muscled up, 250 pounds uh, physical guy on the edge, and and that's that's what I would bet. That is what that's what I I bet my money on. Yeah, one of the interesting things, um, the both of the both of our competitors, OU Insider and Sooner Scoop. Where Wagner did interviews with them, and in one of the interviews, he said that one of the reasons he was making this decision now is because he wanted to focus on getting the teachers and his his teachers, and he said principals. And I think maybe he meant maybe maybe assistant principals help with curriculum development there at Wagner. I'm not sure. It's different. Every school, you know, has labels. You know, different different roles for different guys, right? For different administrators. So um, in some school systems, it would be like you know a guidance counselor or a school you know school counselor. But he was very very pointed that he wanted to make this early decision because he wants to get the people at Wagner's at his high school at Wagner ready to get him to graduate early to enroll early to jumpstart his OU career. So just that sort of focus, like I'm doing this. So, you know, January one, when my, you know, the second semester, my junior year starts that, you know, everybody, all my teachers know, you know, all my, everybody knows I want to graduate early. Let's, let's get going on that. So I thought that was a nice, that's a, Every time you get it, like a, an intent, an intent of a kid's drive to do, to do the, to get things going in the right direction, that's always a positive set. That's positive for me, right? Like you have a, you have a goal in, you have a goal. You're self motivated. You've got a goal. You're driving towards it. And 16, 17 year old young men aren't always so. Um, that's not the easiest stuff to always build into young men, or for young men to be that kind of driven. Is I, I always find that impressive to see knowing my knowing that I wasn't always I didn't always know what the hell I was doing when I was 16 17 so oh no that's um, huge actually yeah like that's just like it shows a uh it's a certain type of character and, and maturity to be like hey these are the things these are my goals these are the things I want this is what I'm going to sacrifice to get them yeah because you know the things <laughs> I don't want to talk about the things that I was doing at that age right uh yeah it, yeah it was you know football was football was number two uh, to, you know, other things and, uh, good. He's got a good hit on his shoulders. Yeah. That, that's a totally different podcast. Um, yeah. To cover those other topics. To to, 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 totally different rating. <laughs> no, totally different. Nobody needs to, I'm not putting yeah. that on the air. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. My friend in high school did this. Um, yeah. So that was shield night. And again, I think he's, you know, he may not have like the Daniel Okoye ceiling, but, the, the the floor on this guy is really high, right? There's yeah. There's not only you're not gonna be like, man, that guy just can't play football. Like that's you know, it's three years before he's gonna help OU. That that's not the case. He'll go to OU and roll early. Hopefully, we have enough depth and talent on our D line that he can redshirt 
And then as a redshirt freshman, I expect to see him kind of out there helping out doing reps because I think he's got the rest of those tools in place. So, you know, and the other part, like, you know, we talk about there, he, he, this is funny to say, you know, because uh, we kind of have the, the stripling thing of, you know, him on, on kick return and that not going well. But, you yeah. know, should not, he also brings just, you know, reality is like, you know, kicking game is really important. And I know everyone likes to kind of, you know, peruse over that and not think about it too much. But, you know, it, it you know, both sides, both sides, he can play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get against Alabama and Georgia and LSU. Uh, although LSU is horrible on defense, so we'll see how quick that can get turned around. But great on on offense with Daniels. But you know, when you can win that, right? You win special teams, and you can do that consistently in those big games. That's going to be a big part of it. So guys with his his ability to play, you know, all over the field uh, and on, on all your kicking units, return units. That's 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 not nothing. You, and you could sneak him out for like a for a fake punt pass because he's he's athletic. He's good. With, he's a good you know, tight end. I, yeah, he's a good tight he's end. A good tight yeah. end. I, I love the fact that the guys, the twenty five guys, are all like dual dual. Other than Sperry, obviously, most of the guys are dual. They're playing both sides of the ball, right? They're on yeah. offense. They're on defense. The the Carl Albert guys are. Love to see that. I mean, that's yeah. Elijah Thomas is. Shield Knight is. Like how good of a football player they're in. they are, right? Their coach says, "Okay, we want to win. You're the best player on the team, so I'm going to put you on defense. You're going to go get after him, but on offense, I'm going to give you the ball." And so we talked about, you know, how Urban Meyer said, you know, for years that's how you recruited corners was you'd go to these games because nobody threw the ball, right? No, you just in high school they would not. In years past, you didn't. The average high school kid didn't face a bunch of great receivers and great quarterbacks. You might see one or two a year. Right, so right. those coaches were saying, oh, you're the best athlete on the team. I'm going to put you at quarterback. So they would go and look for, you know, these guys that were dual threat quarterbacks. I'm like, all right, you're going to play corner. You know, guys like Joe Hayden. Yeah, exactly. So that's the commitment news. There's nothing on the horizon that should be happening soon. But um, – we're going to go ahead and jump to the West Virginia game. We had a night game, which allowed us to bring kids in, get quite a few quite a few guys on campus. We'll lead off with the with the twenty four kids and lead off with the biggest name. Grant Bricks was on OU campus. He doesn't post on social media, but Michael Boganowski does, and Michael Boganowski posts a photo of him and Grant Bricks there. Uh, he had a long weekend, good weekend. It was a good crowd, good game for him to show up for. I think OU's doing everything they can to get Grant Bricks. And I, I, I just don't know which way this is going. I don't know if the coaches know which way this is going. Uh, this is a key for OU. They should go all out on this. And I think they've done, they've done everything they can do right now. It's really in the hands of – it almost looks like dad wants him at OU and mom wants him close. Um, uh, now, in my household, my mom would have won that discussion. My dad wouldn't want to hear that, but he would have. My mom would have. <laughs> but my mom would have been like, why are you staying close to home? Go go far away. Go away. Go away. I don't want you. Just go away. She wouldn't have been like, oh, I'm so sad. You're, you know, you're going off. She was like, yeah, just go. Um, so, you know, so um, uh, so that would have been that would have been how that issue got resolved in my household. My mom wouldn't have been like, oh, you're going so far away. I'd be like, yes, go. Go already. Why are you still here? Go, go. So um, we'll see. We'll see how that breaks out. You know, it's an interesting dynamic. 
I do find it interesting that he seemed to be hanging out with Michael Boganowski a lot based on social media traffic. Uh, and I think Caleb, Michael Boganowski, maybe has an interesting recruiting pitch to make to Grant that's going to maybe resonate with him a little bit. Because we all thought, I know I did, mistakenly thought, I thought Boganowski was going to K-State, right? The local yeah. school, the school with all the connections. But instead, it looked to me that Boganowski sort of realized OU was the better program, and that's where he needed to go to be successful. So if Mike was telling Grant that message, I think that's something that could help OU and kind of resonate with 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 Grant because he's in a similar position a little bit. I mean, it's Nebraska, K-State, and Oklahoma. So it's a little – a lot of the same players, and it's it's a very similar recruiting pitch. So I think that could help OU. Um Unofficial visitor, kind of surprised. It was Cameron Campbell from Tampa, Florida, the cornerback we talked about quite a bit. I, I thought Devon Jordan took his spot. So, Caleb, would you would, could you see OU taking a fourth cornerback? Yes, uh, and we talked about this a little bit, you know, on, on the board, and, and and then just trying to get an idea of like. Yeah, like that's a lot of kids, right? Uh, why? And I think this year has has offered up the reason, right? When you look at just the way college football is, the way the game's played now, so much kind of a, a bit of a basketball on grass. Uh, you know, you look at how vital Kenai Walker has been to this football team, right? Without Kenai Walker, I mean, they may have another loss. Uh, he's just been a huge part of the football team as a backup corner. You know, he's your third, fourth corner, right? And he's been a, just a vital, vital part of the football team this year. Probably really underappreciated how well he's played. Terrible call on Saturday on that PI. Oh, that, uh, that, is, that, is he, that, that interception, that, bad as that, uh, that end zone pipe PI was awful. It was. It yeah. was uh, like the ball hits him and he, he rakes it out. And like, oh, you touched him after he touched the ball. Therefore, it's I'm going to flag that because this is the big. T- I don't know. It was just a really, really horrible call. But Kanai has been huge for this season, right? And I think that's just driven home. Like I think you know the importance of hey, you are going to play. In, in a given game, six DBs at certain times, right? Because you Oklahoma comes out and they'll have, you know, Dolby on the field with, which, you know, which, which means you need to have 12 guys you trust. At least, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, this year, we going into the year, it was, hey, Oklahoma's super deep at corner and safety. And you get into the middle of the year and you're like, gosh, you know, Gentry's banged up. Uh, can I Walker missed a game for I don't know what it was, right? You've got T. Lawrence has missed time. Peyton Bowen has missed time, right? You've had to, you've had Robert Spears Jennings. This has been good, right? He's come along and now he's inserted and he looks like you know a stud. That kid is physical and he he's he's got a he's he's got lead in his helmet because when he strikes guys, they kind of just uh, they go they stop in their tracks. It's it's interesting. He even he had some 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 shots on that really big West Virginia running back that you know who's good. West Virginia, I mean, we'll get to that game who's, who's that good. game in a little bit. And he's, Six two, six one, two thirty, and when Jennings was coming downhill, it's just a, it's just a game of physics, right? Like mass times speed. You know, I mean, it's just he's he's bringing it, and so I, you know, I think it just has taught me a little bit where it's like, ah, you know, do you need that many DBs? Yeah, you you really do, because you know you've got to have 
yeah, you've got to have six, eight corners you feel good about. You've got to have eight safeties, six safeties. You've got, you know, because you're going to play three safeties. You're going to, you know, at a, at a, at a time, you know, you're going to be in a, in a five and six DB looks for 40 snaps a game. That's the new, you know, sub packages, your new base defense uh, in today's, in today's game. So you've got to have, you know, when we, when we, when I was coming up, right, it was, you saw I formation. And if you play, you played your key guys, your linebackers. And that meant you got to, you got to lead up on a fullback or a fullback was leading up on you 30 times a game. So you have had a bunch of linebackers and uh linebacker is still super important, but uh DB is, is, is really, really vital. It's uh, so I can, I can definitely see, you know, their, their thought of like, Hey, we, we, we need another one. I'll tell you what was interesting. Uh, talking about Boganowski. There was a photo of him with Danny Okoye and Reggie powers in the locker room. <laughs> and yeah. Boganowski looks big. I was like, wow, I wasn't it's expecting huge. him to look, look the same size as, as Danny Okoye. I'm like, okay. All right. The, Bo, Boganowski, we, you know, I, I we may look back, and that's a that's a much bigger pickup than we thought. Um, yeah, no, I, so I, I I do agree. He's uh, Oklahoma's quietly done. I think there's a good number of kids like Boganowski that Oklahoma's done a good job of in the region that are a little bit undervalued for you know I don't know they don't play whatever in, reason in, yeah IMG or they haven't gone to some of the camps and things. So and it's you know uh, Kansas high school football players truthfully. They get overlooked. You know, that's always why, you know, I, I famously lately, was there's a, lot of, there's a lot of talent coming out of there. So, yeah, a lot, yeah, of, high I mean, end, I was a lot of high end players coming out lately. Yeah. So, yeah, so, um, the interesting guy. So obviously, Eddie Pierre Louis didn't come in. We're not sure where OU is without recruiting. I think Grant Bricks is the focus. And OU, if they could get Grant Bricks locked down, would maybe give Eddie another call. But it's it's a weird recruiting. They brought in Tyler Mercer. He's a two-lane commitment, and I, I everyone, go ahead and get your groans out the way with. Um, <laughs> he's 6'4", 285. Tulane, actually, is a really good football team, guys. They do a good job yeah. scouting and evaluating players. Willie Fritz um, is a really good coach. Willie Fritz, if somebody, was, if somebody was smart, they would hire him away from Tulane. I watched his film a little bit. It's, I just think if you didn't already have Brooks – Aya Sosa and probably Akinkumi inside. I could see maybe the rationale for it, but I don't know. I, I kind of think OU should save that, save that scholarship and and do something different. I, I'm not sure. I, if he was a tackle, I'd be like, okay, yeah, another tackle that would be fine. But he's a center. Um, he looks yeah, pretty that, good, but I was confused by that a little bit too. You just given, you know, Everett looks like your future center. Like that's who you're going to roll with, you know, next year moving at least you get two yep. years as a starter. And then after him, everything about Bates has been kind of through the roof. Right. Yeah. And yeah, uh, you look at uh, this class, right. With I Sosa, uh, the, the kid from California, they've got interior players. I've, I've same with you. I, I, when I watched his film, I, I can see he's a bigger, he's a big kid. He's listed, I think, at six four, and he looks like he's got that size and length. Uh, you know, you can tell he's he's got a lot of development left to do, just physically in terms of getting stronger, uh, and you know, and including improving his foot speed. So you can see the tools right from a frame perspective. But I just I I would have expected Oklahoma to try to ID some tackles late. Yeah. They would say like, "Hey, let's go find a you know, is there a six 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 seven 
you know, 250 pound kid that's been playing basketball for the last three years and he decided to play football this year? Is he, is, you know, is there a Tyler Guyton out there running around? Yeah, if there's a right? project we're going to take, I'd rather than take a tackle, a, a yeah. legit or, tackle. You know, there's some kids like I've, I've seen, you know, like, uh, and I don't know if you can if you can post. I've, I've wondered, you know, like there's a uh, a kid out of Arlington Heights, uh, Illinois. That's that's going to to Iowa. You know, uh, William Nolan. And I've wondered if with some of the things happening at Iowa with their offensive coordinator, would there be potential to to swoop in and, and maybe flip some of those kids? But we haven't seen Oklahoma uh, target any new kids like that. But he's he's to me he's he's of that Grant Bricks mold, right? Where it's a, you know, 6'6", 280, real physical, loves to maul guys, play tackle for you, play guard, I'm sure, and if you if you need him to. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, a tackle would be the spot I would I would have anticipated to see stuff. So for um, 25, they brought in a bunch of different names. I won't go over all of them, just a couple. I won't go over one of the names because his photo on Huddle is pretty classic. So it's a, uh, it's it's pretty amusing. So obviously Nate Roberts was back in town. He gave interviews to both uh, Chad Simmons and Steve Wiltfong raving about OU. Caleb, it looks like OU's got a big lead there. And Nate is just checking all the boxes because of his rushed Notre Dame commitment that he won't, he doesn't want to next commitment. He wants it to stick and not be saying just commit to Oklahoma and let it stick. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, but it looks like OU's got a big lead there. Um, he he looks bigger every time I think I see him being photographed. Uh, he's just a huge looking kid. Um, so it looks like he's in great shape with Nate Roberts, a twenty five tight end. Obviously, Malik Hawkins is back on back on campus with his brother. Um, OU offered Mercer's teammate Connor Cardi, who is an offensive guard. And for twenty five, OU kind of actually does need some offensive guard prospects to offer because OU's offering like nothing but tackles and doing really well with tackles. But we, we do need like an interior player or two. He's 6'5", 295. Um, looks pretty good on film. But the, the interesting guy who visited was Logan Howland's teammate from Hun Academy. I just love the fact it's Hun Academy. I he's do the, too. He's, he's the Huns. He's one of the Huns. I'm just like, I expected like coming with a horse and chop the head off a cheerleader at halftime or something. Um, it's a <laughs> coal. It's, it's defensive lineman. Cole, was it Breeler? Do we think Breeler's right? I think so. Breeler, Breeler, and he has the best huddle photo that that's out there. Uh, there's like a lot of guys who like they're in their jersey, they're in their helmet, they're in the outfits, <laughs> and he has he's just he must have just come out of a workout and somebody said, "Hey, we need a photo of you." Oh, okay, because he's like in a white t-shirt with cinder block wall behind him, and uh, Cole literally looks like. Uh, he might he he might be willing to throw you into a locker and um, and take your lunch money on a regular basis, but his film's really <laughs> good. He's he looks he's a really physical, good looking kid. Oh, he spent a lot of time in the weight room even early on. You can see, yeah, he knows yeah. where the weight room is. Um, but on film, he looks really good. He's and he's six four, maybe two sixty, two seventy five. He's quick, powerful inside. And OU doesn't have a lot of defensive tackles really on the board right now. So he's an interesting player. He's got good offers, Michigan, uh, I think Penn State. Um, and that Hun yep. school always has good players. That's where lots of lots of quality Division I kids come out of Hun. Um, so that was an interesting name. And then 
Kayla began to, to annoy you a little bit. We had the two OU offers from 2026 on campus. Uh, Mason <laughs> James, the athlete from Norman. Then they offered a cornerback from the Dallas area, Jermaine Bishop. And then they offered, a, and then I don't think he's got an offer yet, but there's a kid from Tulsa named Carmelo Williamson, who's hmm. like 6'4", 195. As a high school sophomore, that's an interesting guy. I need to go back and watch his film and see what it's like because he – because it was like – I was like it, – it, he was like listed at like 6'2", like 170. I'm like, okay. Then you see him next to Bob Stoops and you're like, yeah, he, he's not 6'2", 175. That kid's, <laughs> that, kid's, that kid's significantly bigger than that. So – and then there was a 27 kid on campus, an offensive lineman – and he was again photographed with Bob Stoops, and he's huge. He he's six five two ninety. He looks like a high school senior, and he's a freshman. It was just the most absurd photo I saw. It was just it was ridiculous. I'm like, I'm like that's a freshman. I'm like who's I'm like I sent I sent an image to a to an OU buddy. And it's like who who's the guy that's make Bob Stoops looks like a hobbit? I go that's a high school freshman. They're like no 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 get out of here. I'm like yeah he is. 27, 27 D line, O line kid. So just, just silly, silly recruiting that I'm talking about 27 kids. Well, I, I suppose those kids, when you're already that big and, and athletic, it's, it's a bit of a no brainer, right? Again, where I'm always like, well, what are these kids going to turn into? Well, <laughs> if you're already a freshman running around at 6'5, 270, you know, you're, you know, you may just turn into, you know, 6'6, 300. Yeah, his name's Jordan Caraway. And, and and literally he makes I'm like, he looks like, you know, I mean, you know, you know, he looks like uh, you know, Caden Green, how Caden Green looked in high school as a senior. I'm like, this is absurd, man. This is absurd. So uh so he was on campus. Oh, you had lots of guys in town. So um so Caleb, no remaining targets, I guess EPL. I mentioned him earlier. We're gonna put him in a box until something else works out. Yeah, that but, is really Odd, right? Yeah, it is. It's not maybe Oregon's in play now or some other school. It's like his mom wants him close to home, or does she? Or does she want a different um, development environment than Florida? She, um, hmm. she did, wasn't happy, I think, with Florida. What they did with her with his older brother. Um, does is NIL the driving deal? If it is, you know, so be it. Um, yeah, yes. I mean, it's part of the game now, right? I'm yeah, not, so, not so, the biggest so fan no, of no, like. No, you know, no judgment on offensive it, right? line. Offensive offensive line is so like pretty hit or miss. You know that like rolling the dice on on them big time in NIL. You know, it's one of those things like because we talk about this, right? Like you watch the NFL draft every year, and the plethora of offensive linemen coming out. It's like, well, he's coming out of like Northern Iowa and South Dakota State and Toledo, and like it's like okay, well, and it, and even the know, big names in the big schools sometimes are like. Yeah, this is a two-star guy, you know. I mean, yeah. he was the throw. He was the throwaway guy, and f- fourth player in a five-player class. We didn't think he'd be anything, and he and he outplays the five-star, four-star guys ahead of him. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, yes, yeah. it's uh, just crazy stuff like that. So, from what you've right, seen so in the do, NFL, it, it kind of says like if you're going to spend either spend on a quarterback or a defensive five-star, those pan out. Maybe don't spend on an offensive lineman. Cornerbacks risky too. Yeah. Um, Wide receiver, there's just so much wide receiver talent. It's like, okay. Oh, yeah. Unless it's, unless it's, you know, it's just Jamar Chase or, 
or well, it's just uh, wild and like you know the thing about wide receiver is like every year the last few years in the portal there's been north of a, a dozen guys that hit the portal that had over a thousand yards receiving like the previous year and their at their college so it's just like hey i can go get a thousand yard receiver in the portal like that you know uh, well, and look at OU, yeah. right? We got Andrew Anthony. We got under the portal, right? And everybody was like, "Yep." Well, the guys had the guy had like two hundred yards receiving at, at Michigan. What's he going to do? And the best receiver. If, <laughs> if he wasn't hurt, I mean, it's, am I wrong to say if he doesn't get hurt, he's a thousand yard receiver this year? You think? No, I don't think you're wrong. I, I think I think he, he's 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 right there. I think he would have been because uh, he was getting the prime eight hundred nine hundred yards easy, right? Just yeah. I mean, he was he was becoming the primary target. And, and then he you, was, the, the guy OU, the guy OU tried to get Trey Harris has blown up at Ole Miss. Yeah, yes. He um, he's he's like nearly about fourteen hundred yards, something like that. There. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So, all right. So, Kyle, I mentioned the silly season has started over the last couple of podcasts, and we finally have our first big meaty silly season topic, which is Texas A and M has fired Jimbo Fisher. So, um. The first obvious names that leap to mind are Terry Bussey and Dominic McKinley. OU is involved with them. And they can say, I mean, everyone's like, oh, but he just reaffirmed his commitment. I'm like, yeah, you know how many times Gabriel Brownlow Dindy said he was sticking with OU before he, <laughs> before he dumped us for A&M? Like five times, guys. So right. the kids saying they're sticking with the school right now is completely meaningless. Now, Cam Coleman, their five-star wide receiver, saying, I'm committed to AM, but I'm still completely open. That's that's a message saying, yeah, I'm ready to leave this this clown car train. Uh let let me know when your 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 NIL package is finally ready. Because well, that's, that's the only way that's the only way AM's getting a five star out of Alabama with was unless they had an NIL package for that game. So that's the interesting power, piece of power the, to him, right? The, the, the NIL, like how that's gonna shake out. Uh, will be interesting to me because you've seen it released, right? How uh, Texas A&M, how they're going to handle the seventy-six million dollars owed to Jimbo, and it is they have to have they have to pay Jimbo like nineteen point seven million within I think it's sixty days, right? So they've got to come up with effectively twenty million dollars in sixty days, and then it's seven point six million dollars per year until like twenty thirty-two or something, right? Uh, it's not the Bobby Bonilla deal. deal, the match deal. Do you remember? Do you right. remember that story? Yeah, every every year there's like Bobby Bonilla Day because he's still getting a million dollars. Yeah, it's Bobby Bonilla Day. <laughs> yeah, he's still getting paid a million dollars from the match from like nineteen ninety five or something. It's like the yeah, best retirement like, plan ever. Uh, yeah, it's like can I get that? can I get the Bobby Bonilla four hundred one k? Is that you know? Can I sign no, up for that okay. anywhere? Right, um, but yeah, the thing with with uh, Texas A and M is that. What's been released is the a, a number of big time boosters have agreed to pay the lump sum within sixty days. They will pay the twenty million dollar buyout, the twenty million dollar lump sum rather of the buyout, and then the remainder seven point six year over year will be shouldered. That that'll you know uh, that debt falls upon the university athletic department. So here's the thing: they're also going to have to turn around, and everybody's talked about this. What the numbers are going to be? Who knows? To do the buyouts and things of the, the additional staff coming in, unless you hire Urban Meyer, there's no buyout there. But anybody else, there's going to be a buyout. There's buyouts for assistants that are that are going to be le- you know leaving Texas A&M that had multi-year deals as well as those that are going to be coming into Texas A&M. Uh, the numbers of what that's going to be are, are pretty high, right? There's uh, talk of that. All of that potentially being an additional seventy million dollars, right? That they're going to have to come out of pocket. 
if let's say that that's handled in a similar fashion, that boosters are going to handle buyout for 20 million lump sum. And let's say they're going to, they have agreed that, Hey, we'll also handle buyout for whomever they go get. Right. And it's going to say it's another, you know, 10, 15 million. I know A&M's got more money than Davy Crockett. Do they really have enough to also then turn around and then to just load up the coffers and say, and we'll give you an additional 30 million to keep every single kid on the roster here via a big NIL deal? I mean, it's potentially possible. I don't think that's all that likely. I think you'll see pretty decent attrition from that. I know there's been talk that, hey, it was going to fall apart regardless, even if you know, Jimbo is coming back and NIL packages are still in place. It was still going to fall apart. I just, you know, I, I would be shocked if, uh, you know, not only do they, you know, not only having the money in place in that short of a window, that's that's not probably the thing. You know, it's 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 being able to coordinate everything. But maybe they're maybe they're a little bit more advanced than what I think. And, and they've got deeper pockets than, than what I realize. Yeah, I mean, I think they could be looking at both retention. If you remember, if you've ever been in the corporate world, sometimes there are mergers and like staffs leaving, and the, the, but they identify the people they want to keep. All of a sudden, I remember one, one, one three hundred six five days. Yeah, I got all of a sudden, I got a, I got like a, a bonus check. I'm like, did I do anything better this? And this week, my boss like, no, no, shut up. It's just the retention bonus kicked in. I'm like, oh, did I have a retention bonus? He's like, apparently you did. I didn't know about it. HR. You know, HR forgot to tell me, so I'm like, okay. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I mean, and also I do think Caleb with with some of the guys on campus, I think it almost might be guys who've been there one or two years. That first that number one class, some of them aren't really like hitting the field or really working very well. And if I was one of them, I'd be like, you know, I kind of took the money and I'm getting my ass handed to me on the field, and I'm don't seem to be getting anywhere closer to the NFL. Maybe it's time to go somewhere, A, to win, and B, where someone's going to get me ready ready for, the, ready for the NFL. Maybe someone, you know, especially their D-line group, right? Um, there's a couple of guys, yeah. that, you, know, you know, who just, I don't think they're really developing that well. I, if I was them, I'd be looking to maybe go to someplace else where I could get more playing time and maybe with a coach who has a better track record and a program that seems to be not in a complete rebuilding phase. No, I'll, be, so I'll be honest with you. I think I think that's I think you nailed it. There's a uh, and you'll sure get into it, but like LT Overton, uh, Levius Overton is one that like he jumps out immediately, like five star. You know, Mister All World would have been the top player I think in the class for what was it? He reclassified yeah, he enrolled, to go he into. Jumped, he reclassified. He jumped. He shouldn't have done that. That was a bad move. Yeah, he should not have done that because he's two years into Texas A&M and you look at like what he's done on the field and there's some tape of him wearing a jersey playing, right? But you want to find tape of him being like really impactful making plays and it's, you know, it's just not. Through 21 games in his college career, he's got one sack and three tackles for loss. And those are yeah, 21 games that he has played snaps in, right? Like that's not just like, oh, hey, he's, those are he's played in all those games, and he and he's registered, you know, you know, three TFLs, one sack. Yeah, so that's a name. So the the high school names are Terry Bussey and McKinley. Obviously, they're both sort of like haven't bailed an A and M yet, but who knows? The high school names are three names that sort of leap out. I don't know if I'll use it anywhere with any of them. 
But Dalen Evans, a defensive lineman from Texas, is a really good-looking prospect. He's buddies with Nigel Smith through recruiting. Every time Nigel would visit A&M, they were kind of hanging out together based upon social media interactions and stuff. Just two interior guys. If OU was able to get Grant Bricks and one of the six offensive linemen, uh, Blake Ivey from Texas and Cohen Eccles from Katy are both A&M verbals who are good interior offensive linemen. Again, if you get Grant Bricks and you want to add a six high school offensive lineman and grab an interior guy, that's no problem. I'm fine with that. So obviously, obviously, Caleb, I, I, when our, in our notes here that you guys can't see, I refer to him as the big whale. So when we're talking A&M portal, silly season roster, it begins and ends with DJ Hicks, right? David Hicks. It's the oh, worst. It's the worst kept secret topic on message boards around Sooner Land. Um, so I think you know. Obviously, if he and the question is, does he hit the portal or not? Because if he hits the portal, I think OU, for lack of a better word, makes a massive bum rush on him to get him on campus the first weekend have him around Todd Bates and all the guys he knows, Peyton Bowen, all the guys that he w- was recruited with. And, and well, I mean, he nearly, yeah, he almost verbal to OU so twice, many, right? Yeah, there's, there were so many rumors about that, right? That, hey, Oklahoma is where he wants to be. Like, he wants right. to be yes. at yes. OU. And if that's true, I guess the one thing I would hope is, you would hope, again, so rumor was, wants to be at Oklahoma, a&M's NIL deal was just too much, right, to pass up and, and had to make that choice, right? I would hope from a financial standpoint that he and his dad were intelligent enough to get that front loaded. <laughs> They've already collected on, let's say, 80% of that, 75% of that. And then you can, you can move on. Uh, you can say, okay, well, hey, look, uh, I don't know, you know, you're going to be seeing lots of change, lots of different things, you know, even if, even if, you know, you get a good staff in here. What's that going to look like? You know, in terms of, are you going to be their guy? Are they going to run kind of system? They're going to run. Uh, you know, maybe all that works out. Maybe it doesn't. You would hope he would be. That that would be the one. That would be the one. I think that would every Oklahoma fan wants. Right? It's kind of a. Uh, we talk a little bit on here sometimes, and in the spring we did that fun segment of like what ifs. You know, yep, this is like getting to write getting to write the ship of a what if, right? What if Oklahoma could have landed DJ Hicks in the twenty twenty three class? Well, maybe they can land him in the 2023 2024 portal. And it would be a that would be a, a big a big push. The one name that's kind of interesting to me on the other side of the ball is Cam Dewberry. He's an offensive guard. Um, from the Houston area, a lot of connections with Bill. He obviously chose Texas A&M, but I think Oklahoma was probably his legit second. Um, and I think if I was Cam and Texas A&M's offensive line was a mess this year. If you haven't watched Texas A&M, I know they put up a bunch of points in a couple of games, but for the most part against anybody with, with a decent defense, Texas A&M offensively just really struggled this year. And their offensive line was not good. So if I was Cam Dewberry, I might be thinking, Okay, I I went where everybody thought I should go. Maybe I should be going somewhere where somebody develops guys for the NFL. And I know we can all disagree about Bill recruiting and development, but from an outsider perspective, if you just try and put your blinders on the 12 years of Bill being here, if you're a high school recruit, and a lot of high school recruits lately, a lot of the 25 kids, they when they see Bill, they see 
They see draft picks. They see Orlando Brown. They see Powers. They see Creed Humphrey. They think of Bill as a developer of an NFL of NFL talent, right? That's a little bit of what they see. They don't see all the stuff we see the miss the missed recruiting of Al's and the and some of the other losses. That's that's the blinders they see. So I think Cam oh, Dewberry. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, we we see it from you see all the warts. Right, and it's the same reason as a as a casual fan, you can watch any other two teams play, and you leave that being like, man, Ole Miss is really good. But if you're an Ole Miss fan, you watch that every game, not just the Georgia game. You watch every game, and you see every single wart on that team, and you're like, why can't we develop this guy? Why is this not happening? Why why is Judkins not on pace for you know 1,800 yards? Like, what's going on? Right, like. You see the warts, right? You, you you don't. You just see it through a critical lens. And so uh, as fans, we see Bill through a really critical lens. But I think we, you know, and I'm as guilty of it. I, I lead this club of like looking through a critical lens and being like, it just has to yeah. be better. But I think we talked about this, you know, you and I, right? If you pull back and you detach from that in the moment and you say, okay, well, you know, Oklahoma's best run was 2000 to 2008. My God, the amount of offensive line attrition <laughs> they went through and the stories about, you know, this guy crapping his pants in a workout, this guy getting kicked off the team and, you know, uh, <laughs> almost getting beat up by other players. And they threw his clothes out of his dorm room and just, you know, they got to go through a season with six, seven, only eight healthy guys along the offensive line. Entire classes are not working out. There was a time, once upon a time, Oklahoma was signing offensive line classes with names like Chris Messner, Cameron Schott. Uh, I can't even think of some of the other ones. It was just, you know, and Messner played well. I mean, he did nothing. Messner, Messner was actually a good. Was a good kid. Oh, and Messner was like a he was a two way high school. He was a yeah. He was like a two way high school kid that you know was like six seven and 220, 200, like 220, 210 pounds, yeah. you know, and spent. God, five, four years, four years at Oklahoma putting on like 70 pounds, 80 pounds to get to a point where he could, you know, play, you know, and that's if that was the case now. Right. I mean, Eric Mensick started right tackle an entire season who was, you know, again, another just a tight end uh, out of the Houston area. They had to convert, you know, there's. Oklahoma won a lot of games and played for national championships when they were just uh I want to say piecing it together in the offensive line because that's not accurate. They had good offensive line. But from a depth perspective, you know, I think you could argue that they had really good offensive line because the standard was so high. And the reality of it, when you have a standard that high, you're probably going to have more attrition than folks that don't have that high of a standard. So you know, I'm, yeah. I mean, if you told me they got Dewberry, that'd be great. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of all for, you know, go get, go get some really good portal guys. We talked about this, right? You know, you look at, you yeah. look at Michigan this year, potentially win another Joe Moore award. I mean, on any given Saturday, their left tackle, right tackle, and center are Stanford transfers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like three fifths right. to two fifths of their offensive line are are, are transfers. I say, which one makes of you wonder how Stanford, Stanford, was so bad, Stanford. Right? Oh, it's wild. So, but you know, I guess one of them's an Arizona State guy. So it's Arizona State, Stanford, yeah. Stanford. But here's the wild thing. Okay, Stanford's left tackle is starting at Oklahoma. 
their right tackle and center are starting at Michigan. Their like left guard is starting at Cal. I mean, it's like literally their entire offensive line transferred out, and the left guard is playing left tackle for Cal because he's that you know just he's a good enough player that he can he can play left tackle, not have to play left guard. He was playing guard because Rouse. I mean, yeah, I, you know, a lot of teams would have been really lucky to have got the entire Stanford offensive line to just transfer to their program. <laughs> they clearly would have had a, <laughs> you know, one of the better lines. It's uh, I got it says something about probably that's it says something about David Shaw maybe that you have a, a, a their quarterback is on an NFL roster. I know he's not playing, but he made a roster, and then all of your offensive linemen are gonna be drafted, and they couldn't win. One game, two games. Yeah, it's it's odd. It's 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 funny. But yeah, I, dig- yeah, I digress. Yeah, but yeah, but I think there's a there's a you know if Cam Dewberry enters the portal and wanted to visit OU, I'd be like, well, kick the tires there. He's got three years of eligibility, probably. And, played some in the SEC. You know, yeah, played some in the SEC. He's a big physical guy, talented. The kind of guy that Bill, the kind of guy who Bill kind of rehabs into somebody, right? Like, okay, this makes sense, right? Like. Yeah, wasn't you working. Know, it wasn't working at A and M. Get in with Schmitty. Get in with Bill Biedenbaum. And then all of a sudden, you might you might tap into what that guy was supposed to be out of high school. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. But well, there's, you know, there's some there's some good risks. There's some good risk projects that oh, you could pull from this A and M roster if they wanted to, like tied in Donovan Green. Um, oh yes, yeah. But you know what? This this doesn't get talked about much with offensive linemen. But you know, scheme fit is also a factor, right? As well as players around him. Yeah. And we just talked about it right there with, you know, how does the right tackle in the center from a Stanford team that could not win, right, and the left tackle, right? All those guys go to Michigan and Oklahoma, who are a combined, I don't know, eighteen and two, nineteen and two. That you know, I guess yeah, whatever you know whatever it is this year and, and have given up Oklahoma's given up some of the fewest sack numbers in the country. I'm um, yep. same with Michigan and Michigan is, you know, steamrolling folks. There's something to be said about, you know, just not only environment, but scheme and all those other things that go into it. And Dewberry would be an interesting one for me because I think everyone knows, you know, there's a lot of, Negative things have been said about Jimbo's offense, and then this year was not great. It was a bit of a, you know, obviously he's he got let go, and, right? and their strength and conditioning program has fallen off since Schmidt left and came back to OU. Yeah. That's what every you do, that's what all the rumors are. So, I mean, yeah, you do um, really wonder if 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 that if he could if he could, if he landed Oklahoma could Bill could that be a, the exact type of guy Bill could turn into a you know a future NFL guy? Just rehab him, or even that old. Even a you know second team SEC that a guy in the future, right? I mean, it doesn't always. Well, he's just he's such an impressive guy in terms of you know six four two thirty, and he's got like a eighty inch wingspan. His arms, you know, for days. Yeah. Uh, it he's, doesn't, you know, yeah, it doesn't have to always be like an all American, right? Like you know, look, you know, um, Powers was an all American, right? He was an all Big Twelve. I mean, um, well, I mean, Walter Rouse to- won't make any all American teams, but he'll get drafted and play on Sundays, you know, and he's been a fantastic. Offensive lineman on this team. Yeah, and it's like um, to digress. It was like last night I saw Jordan Phillips had been in the NFL for nine years. I was just like, wow, how in the hell has that guy lasted nine years in the NFL when height, weight, speed league? (laughs) Well, exactly. But I mean, and just you know, all props to him because he's collected nine years of NFL paychecks and a couple of some guaranteed bonus checks and all that. He's made some, yeah, made some nice money for himself. 
All right, so we I've been teasing this a couple of weeks. So, Brandon, it's the mid-season, end-of-season film review, and we're going to do one of the most interesting topics out there. We're going to review both of the quarterbacks, Brandon Zerbrug and Michael Hawkins Jr. This is the first time OU has signed two high school quarterbacks since 2002 when they signed Paul Thompson, uh, savior, uh, reclaimer of the 2006 season, for those that have forgotten who Paul Thompson was, former wide receiver, went back to quarterback when Brett Bomar got thrown out of school and saved that season, really. Um, if not for the stupid Oregon game and the stupid Boise game, uh, Paul Thompson's legacy would be very different. Uh, and then OU also signed a guy who didn't really turn out to be anything in Noah Allen from Pearland, Texas. So you signed two quarterbacks from Texas the year before they uh, had signed, I believe, Brent, was it Brent Rawls? And then the year after they signed Tommy Grady, and then they signed Rhett Bomar to take you back through the OU history QB uh, time machine there. So it's been forever, Caleb, since OU signed two high school quarterbacks. Generally speaking, two high school quarterbacks means you're signing two guys and for one, uh, only for one of them, only to the point one of them transfers in the portal. It's even it's an even more interesting decision. So we yeah. can talk about that maybe from a team management perspective of whether we like what they're doing or not. But Caleb, you've watched film on both. You've seen both. What's what's your opinion of Brandon Zerbrug versus Michael Hawkins? Man, it's it's uh, and I wouldn't rate him as a six, but it, it feels like six and one and a half dozen than the other. When you really lay those two out, there's just very little separation. And I think, as in terms of you know, there's their overall game. They're very they're different, right? Uh, you know, I guess I'll talk a little bit about just maybe you know differences in, in size and some of the skill and you know them as a player. You know, so Zerbrug is a big kid. You see that on film kind of immediately. You know, it's funny. I, I you know, talked a little bit about this on the board. One of my theories of like, I'd like to see Oklahoma recruit Midwestern offensive linemen more than they do. You know, we everybody always loves when Oklahoma, when anybody recruits a, a receiver or a defensive back out of the state of Florida, right? Like, oh, I know he's going to be twitchy. He's going to be fast because they're fast in Florida. It's speed. He's going to be highly competitive. I think the same holds true in a different manner for like Midwest football, right? It's still played very much from the trenches. It's a very like, you know, it's a kind of a weight room culture type area. You just develop guys a different way. And But when you watch Zerbrug, he comes off like a big 10 quarterback in the sense of he's 6'4-ish, right? 6'3", maybe and a half, 6'4", you know, 215 pounds, close to maybe, maybe he's 205, 210, 215. I've seen him listed in different areas, but he is a thick, strong kid. Uh, you know, so... It, Hawkins, not as big. Hawkins is what, maybe 6'2", uh, 200, maybe 190 pounds. I, he's listed closer in size to what Zerbrug is. But when you see the two kids on film, Zerbrug is clearly the bigger, thicker, sturdier guy. Uh, you know, So that's, that's one thing that jumps off there. The thing that's really surprising when you watch the two is probably uh, – is how good of an athlete Zerbrug is. And I know we talked about it when he committed, uh, but he's 
two-time or three-time uh, state qualifier in the 110 and then I think maybe even the 300-meter hurdles. Uh, so he's he's maybe a little bit more straight line, uh, but he's a really good athlete. He is a true dual-threat guy uh, when you watch him. But, but Mike is – Mike has the potential, I think, to be special in that area. You know, he's when you watch his film, the thing, he's grown a ton. And I gave the comp to you coming into this of like the comp I see is a is a bigger Jordan Travis for Michael Hawkins. You know, when you watch Travis that first couple of glimpses and he got some some playing time at Louisville, and it was like, hey, here's this athletic kid that can move and throw. As you've watched him at Florida State, you've seen this kid that has figured out, I've got to stay in the pocket. I want to extend plays with my feet, but I want to keep my eyes downfield. And they get in crunch time, and he can tuck it and run, get a first down. Hey, it's third and six. We're in situational football. You know, we're going to try to get this first down, but everything's covered up. He can go make a play outside of that. And you see that a ton from Hawkins on film. He's gotten so much better at staying in the pocket, going through his reads, delivering the ball on time, throwing the ball, uh, you know, got a strong enough arm, I think, to make to make all the throws. But you see him at times just like, okay, I've got to go make a play. He'll he pulls it down, he takes off, and you'll see him weaving through guys, you know, and, and making making the big run. You know, Zerbrook's probably a little bit different there. I think a lot of his big plays in the run game come on designed runs for the quarterback where they run zone read stuff or, you know, QB power or whatever it is. Right. But it's, it's a design run for Zerbrug. And when he pulls it down, you know, he, again, he's talking about a kid that's, you know, multi-time, you know, state qualifier in the one tens. He runs, he, he'll just run by some folks and outrun them. Uh, so I think they're both, it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, that they were able to get this two caliber you know, two quarterbacks of this caliber and this close together in this class. I don't, you know, I don't see much separation at all. Uh, Zerbrug, really quick release, uh, kind of comes off the ear a bit, right? But that's it's just he, he snaps it up and it comes out. Just, he has a you know a very quick release, which I think is really important. It's something I know Barry's talked about, talk about it a bunch on the site. Barry's done some like in depth analysis of it, right? Like. But just that really quick release is actually a really important thing to whether it's, you know, the short, quick game, right, that's used as an extension of the run game. But it's, you know, really big for the RPO game, which as much as, you know, some folks do and don't like the RPO. And I'm not the biggest fan of it a lot of the time. I'm a, I am think there's a lot of value in like true play action. Quarterback turns his back to the defense to get you know, to invite safeties and linebackers to really take run run action. Uh, but, you know, as long as you're running the RPO, uh, I think Hawkins and Zerbrug can do it really well. I think Zerbrug's probably got a bit of an edge, you know, truthfully with – he's just got a really quick release. He can just – he just flicks it out. Uh, you know, I think he'll really excel there. You know, I, I, I couldn't put one kid in front of the other. Uh, be, to, be, to be quite frank, I think if you made me pick, you know, a comp that I would give a bit for Zerbrug, uh, only concern that I have for him, and, and we talked a little bit about this, right, is maybe a little bit like kind of tight in the hips, right? You know, when you think about, oh, I'm trying to think of a good, uh, he's not, 
a little bit like Kirk Cousins in that regard, right? Like just just tighter in the hips when he's when he's throwing the ball. Runs a little upright, uh, a little bit. He does. He does. No, he's, there's no doubt, right? He's a he's in a probably some of the, the track stuff there, right? He he gets up and spreads his chest and, and rolls. Uh, that could be. <laughs> you don't want to do too much of that, right? But uh, he can make every one of the throws you see on film. He deep ball, intermediate stuff. He layers it in. Uh, there's 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 not a throw he can't make, but it's it's really the same for Hawkins. Uh, you know, the most impressive thing of of Hawkins's film to me is how much better he is as a passer, as a senior than as a junior. We talked about this, you know, like even a little bit of a concern when he committed, you know, back in the spring was gosh, sophomore year. It was, he was, you know, this kid flashed on the scene. Everybody's like, Oh my God, this kid's going to be a monster and came out his junior year and it didn't, it didn't happen. Right. And there was lots of things that were going on there. Uh, and maybe as to why, but you watch him as a senior and he looks like a different quarterback, like a completely different quarterback. It makes you think it's made me forget about what the junior film that it even existed. And I, you really just look at his senior film in and of itself. Uh, okay. It's, it's the same way. You know, I think he's, he's a great fit for the scheme. You know, I, I, you know, I think we, everyone sees how, how, uh, how big it is with what Oklahoma wants to do offensively to have a quarterback that is a true, true run, you know, threat with his legs, you know, and I think Hawkins could be a guy that could go out and, you know, give you even the, in the SEC, give you, you know, 600 yards, 700 yards rushing. You know, he's uh, trying to think of, you know, Jackson Dart has, you know, did that for, has done that for Ole Miss. And, uh, you know, I, I think, I think Hawkins is, quite a bit more athletic than what dart is you know uh but at the same time you know and i think i think i think zerbrook's got the ability to go give you you know four or five hundred yards in the run game potentially in you know in what oklahoma does if you're using him as you know in that rpo and some qb run game and, and some power uh again maybe you'll worry about if he's a little stiff in the hips there does he does he is there an injury risk with him potentially but uh yeah i think it's a huge win that Oklahoma could land both of these guys. To me, I'm just watching a little, just reminding myself a little of the film. To me, Zerbrug, you're right. And and his some of the power stuff we've seen them use with Dylan Gabriel. I mean, Zerbrug will run through tackles and he will he hurt will. teams. He will He's hurt a big teams. Kid. If you if you're lined up wrong or in a wrong run fit for something with Zerbrug, he will go 40, 50 yards into the end zone for you. Yeah, he will. Um, yeah, you you nailed it right there. If you with the QB run game, he is he's downhill in a flash, and like you said, if you fit it up wrong, he, he can he'll outrun your you know he'll run by your backers in a safety. In, yeah, in, if your safety corners are not looking right, like they're they're already in coverage or doing something like or they're even blocked, slightly blocked, he'll go very powerful kid, good arm. Um, it's funny he's from Ohio, but they don't really run like a traditional. None of the highlights they do they look like you know, he's in the shotgun. They're doing lots of. It's not like the sort of power eye, Big Ten kind of classic football like you might expect, right? Like okay, no, yeah, it's not like 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 when we just got punished. Like Michigan, great game against Penn State, but watching that from a fan perspective was was a little punishing, right? It was it was <laughs> it was from you know, like okay. Gosh, it was. Um, 
Yeah, because you know, uh, so even looks, if you could flash back to like the the mid '90s when Penn State was amazing with you know yeah. Gary Collins, Kajana Carter, yeah, uh, yeah. you know uh, Kyle Brady. But at least in those games, they let football be unbelievably physical to a dangerous point. So you at least saw yeah, some people yeah, get yeah, you know yeah. you saw you saw people getting CTE live, right? So you, you at least got to see some crazy hits. You know, guys, really. There's one of the biggest hits you'll ever see in college football was a Michigan. Uh, Penn State game on the punt return, but yeah, it, that that brand of football was uh, was pretty was difficult. And I'm a defensive uh, the, guy, and it was still difficult. Yeah, so difficult, but Zerbrug isn't running at you know his high school's doing all kinds of stuff, and it's it's interesting. Hawkins again, you know, he just put up like 230 rushing yards in a playoff game, so he's doing. His district is is not that well loaded with talent so he's been feasting a little bit um so you know on some lower level guys but playing like at a ridiculous level so he so he's dominating who he should be dominating right that's always the that's the it, you know it's like okay if he's if it's not a great district he should be dominating right okay well he's so, dominating yeah, that, and so he's dominating so okay right so it, that's the yeah. that's the, that's the thing so to me it's almost like and this is gonna be a little stupid but my knee-jerk reaction watching the film is if OU needed more help next year, I think Zerbrug could help quicker. But I think Hawkins is the better long-term prospect. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I, I can see that completely. You know, that's Zerbrug a knee-jerk is... reaction. They're both going to enroll early. We'll see them both in spring because you can't have Jackson Arnold throwing 500 footballs in the spring game, right? They'll play both of them, and I don't know that we know Bevel leaves, and we don't know that Booty will be around. So those yeah. kids are likely going to get most of the play. So, um, man, that's a, that's a, an, that's a really inexperienced quarterback room going into the SEC. It is, but this is what this has been. <laughs> but the whole strategy about signing two guys is because is because Lincoln Riley screwed us quarterback room wise. Yeah, I mean, completely screwed us. Um, from a from that perspective, so. I mean, we we you know from from the way he was recruiting, it was just a, it's just a mess. And then Lebby did the best he could trying to find a guy, and then mm. that guy came on the campus and just didn't want to work, and is now the fifth string quarterback on a terrible Wisconsin team. Zerbrug yeah, um, is actually listed as six four two twenty, so he's actually he's probably that big when you watch. Yo, him. So that I, big, I agree, yeah. but he could yeah. be like you know, two thirty five and be like a like dude who we like. Like a much better passing, uh, the K State guy. Um, uh, then I Colin Klein. Colin Klein a little bit, right? If he gets up to two thirty five. Well, the guy that he reminds me of, like that, my comp for him, but he's just a better athlete in terms of speed, is actually Bryce Petty. You know, Bryce. Okay, I can had see that. I can see that. Yeah, he had a build yeah, to yeah, snap yeah. it off, and he was Bryce was six three two thirty. You know, and so yeah, I mean, tell me like Zerbra gets up being six three and a half two thirty. Uh, you know, and and can he can he can? That's right. I I do agree with you that hey, you talk about with his size. His dad played at Michigan. So he grew up around football, right? His dad is high school football coach. Uh, you know, he probably got the ability. I would assume wouldn't have much of a terrible issue stepping in and playing right away. But I'll point this out. You know, uh, the thing that I like so much about Hawkins, and it's not to say that Zerbrug's stats for his high school aren't good as well, because they're 
I think as good, if not better. Yeah, he had a great year. Uh, he had a great of, year for them. He had a great year. But, you know, it was one of the worrisome things we talked about with Hawkins, right? It's okay, so the film wasn't great. Then when you looked at stats, you're like, man, he just didn't, you know, didn't put up big numbers, right? And I, I get it. People are like, oh, you know, it's it's high school football. Yeah, you know, here's the deal. Like, you're a Power 5 Division One quarterback and you're playing. You should – you it should be pretty noticeable, right? Uh, you look at you look at what Mike has done from his junior to senior year. It's amazing how much work he's put in and how much better he is. You know, so this year I mean, he's completing, you know, just under seventy percent of his passes. So sixty nine point four. He's thrown for over two thousand yards, thirty one touchdowns, only two interceptions. So that's actually the biggest piece of it to me is looking is, at right. like, yeah. are you touchdown to interceptions, right? So you're just making the right decision. You're not throwing into bad spots. Or, you know, the other thing is, right, even if, you know, you talk about, oh, maybe it's not the greatest district in the world, but, you know, Frisco produces a lot of high school, you know, talent, right, in, in just that area. Uh, you're not throwing picks, which means you're not inaccurate. You're not erratic, you know. Well, you just the watch the zip on me. his – the zip on his passes and he's throwing dimes. I mean, you know, like he's dropping them in over defenders. It's, yeah. it's good We've stuff. Always he seen, did a good, you know, you would, it's, you would see in the off season, right? Like, Hey, he's got good arm strength. He can drive the ball. He can throw the ball. Well, my, my thing was always, he wants, he's playing in the game. Is he going to show accuracy or are there going to be some balls where he just gets away from him? And when it gets away from him, is it going high? Is it sailing high? And is it getting picked? So to see only two interceptions, you know, like kids thrown for 21, almost 2,200 yards, ran for 700, 31 touchdowns, two picks. Like that's that's big, right? And, you, you know, Zerbra, he, he's really the same way. He, you know, 70% completions, uh, 2,300 yards passing, right? Uh, and, and he's only threw, he threw, let's see here, four interceptions on the year with, 26 touchdowns. Zerbrug, again, to speak to his how good of an athlete he is, he rushed for over 1,000 yards. Just under well, – You can yeah. tell that. You can tell that from the highlights. Yeah, with his oh, long yeah. Dis- with his long distance runs, you're like, oh, yeah, he's he's putting up. Oh, but- yeah. He had a – his, his long on the year was 90, you know, so he's yeah. – Yeah, when you're, when I, you're yeah. doing that, you're, you know, at down, game in, game out, he's – and he's a, best, he's, he's a big kid. He's, you are, he's got an tackle. interesting opportunity, you know, yeah, given I mean, like just – his size, his skill set, you're going to come in to Norman, you're going to be 6'4", 220, 225. You're going to be one of the biggest, biggest kid in the room. And you've got a chance to go earn the backup spot, you know, as a, as a true freshman. And, you yeah. know, if you do, you're probably going to play some. Uh, and you can entrench yourself there. You know, it's it, – it'll be, it'll be maybe, fun maybe to you, watch those two. Maybe you'd become a short yardage quarterback because you are a big kid that can barrel yeah. over people a little bit. You're bigger than Jackson Arnold. Jackson's probably, what, 210? Two six two yeah. two ten something like that, and you know, he and yeah, he's not- and, and and I don't think Oklahoma wants to be running, you know, uh, quarterback power with uh, with, with Jackson with, your, with Jackson with Arnold. You've got two, true, starter, you got two starter. true freshmen behind him. No, no, yeah. no, no. So I thought I think so, but strategically, usually I'd be against the two quarterback, the high school quarterback thing. I'd be like, man, you're just wasting your time. You just you're, you know, you're signing one guy and you're going to lose the other guy regardless. Well, the portal means you can lose any quarterback at any time whatsoever. So that rule out the window from that part. But I do and think I just for, and for OU's room being so depleted, I think signing two guys with Sperry coming coming in the next class, I think that's perfect because you, you restock the room in a year. Kevin Sperry enrolls early, January 2025. 
you have the you have a chance to have three scholarship quarterbacks, which is like, which we have not had three high school recruited scholarship quarterbacks. Caleb, I don't think we've had that since Kyle, Kyler, Mordecai, and maybe we haven't had. Well, was okay. Mordecai the same? No, no her, I think the last time we had three high school quarterbacks, but they weren't recruited to old OU recruits. Would have been Jalen Hurts, Mordecai, and Rattler, Spencer. right? Nin- yep. In 2019, we haven't had yeah. that since then, right? We, 2020 it was no. Rattler, Mordecai. 2021, it was Caleb Spencer. Last year, 22, we only had Dylan Gabriel. I mean, really, um, <laughs> when you get right down to yeah. it. So this year we've got really just Dylan and Jackson Arnold when you functionally think about realistically. Something something would have happened yeah. to Dylan Gabriel for two games. It's not David, Davis. I mean, Davis, Davis Bevel, the guy slick around, all credit to him. He got hurt. He came back. Happy they let him run some clock and get a, get a, get a, Oh, get me a, too. That was good. Yeah. You know, it was going way, I mean, you know, if you're not going to let Jackson run the offense, I don't want to see him out there to be honest. Really? I don't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. I mean, you're not going to let him do some things. Yeah. So, so to be honest, I'm, I'm all fine with the two guys this year, knowing that we may lose one is we could just get to 2025 when we would have actually three high school quarterbacks recruited by the staff. So we actually have a development process going on. Cause I do think, Mike Hawkins, what he showed this year, if he can, if he, if there's that development environment at OU that we think is was hopefully there. I mean, with Jeff Lebby, we you know the jury's still out on that. I, I think a little bit, but if there's an develop QB development environment there, I think Mike Hawkins could get could get can be his ceiling's higher than Zerbrooks, I think. But I, if you needed help, man, I could see you put Zerbrug out there with that running backs and. He he could he could he could play a half of football for you in 2024. He could. I'll, I'll say this. I, I'll say this, and I, I joked about this when Oklahoma made the offer and they were able to get him him committed fairly quick. But it's not a joke when I say this, uh, and I do not mean to say that Brennan Zerbrug should be the number one overall player in this class. He should not be. Should it be a four-star? Probably. When you just kind of look at, again, like if you're going to look at this from a scouting perspective and, and what does four-star mean, and okay, it's and you weigh out the physical attributes with the tape. If you're going to show me a guy that's 6'4", 220 with that frame, and it's, he's a muscle, he's a, he's a not muscle bound, but he's a, he's a thick kid. It's fantastic. It's good weight. And you're going to show me someone that athletic, uh, you know, so again, you're going to talk about tools, and then you're going to pop the tape on. But here's the here's the crazy thing, Chris, and this is true, right? I, I wish anybody would do this. Watch Arch Manning's senior tape, and watch Brandon Zerbrug's senior tape. Watch everything about it, and tell me who the better high school football and the better prospect is. And I, I, you could maybe say that there's sometimes I think Arch Manning does show at times, like in high school, he did show a plus arm, right? I think he's got a, a good, he showed, you know, can drive the ball. He's got, can make all the throws, got a really good arm. Uh, again, so Brandon, same thing. It's, it's interesting though, how much, uh, hype can play into things where, you know, Zerbrug being committed to Northwestern, you know, a bit of an afterthought, right? Michigan, there was a, the, the car, 
Carr's grandson going to Notre Dame and, and Michigan went out and got a five-star quarterback from another area. Just, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes people get too caught up in, oh, this kid's a five-star, this kid's a, you know, whatever star. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I'm with well, well, you know, well, you and, know and who, Arch, who comes Arch, in. You know, with uh, Ewers returning, Arch is going to end up transferring to Ole Miss. You know that, right? Is that the rumor? <laughs> no, I just made that up. Um, oh. oh, no. Well, funny. I mean, the, I know you, Ewers, Ewers, Ewers coming back is the story that's out there. So there's already been started, like, is Arch going to set another season behind Ewers? That storyline's already floating out there a little bit. Maybe OU fans have a little fun with Texas fans about it. But, yeah, why not? Did he transfer right? to LSU? I, they have some. They help. They seem the Manning family seems to have some sort of. Um, I would say I don't. I don't know this for certain, but they seem to have some sort of bias against a LSU. Like, yeah, not interested in you guys. But when obviously that's, we're fine. Fine with the kid going to Tennessee. So, yeah, uh, I don't know what. So, all right, well, Caleb, you know. So, so I'm going to give you off a little topic because I'm going to want to give you a little room to talk about this a little runway. So. Um, you don't have a podcast where you can talk about the season. So I want to give you a little chance to talk about the West Virginia game. So if you could, if you could kind of focus your area a little bit, can you tell me a couple of things you really liked, liked about the, uh, the West Virginia game? And just one or two things that you still were a little, were, were a little wary, you're a little wary on, but what were the couple of things you really liked about what we saw in that, in that cathartic, like, relief appearance on on saturday I, I have to tell you i i i started a tradition when i went to the when i went to this when i went to the orange the cotton bowl to see OU win the that was my first ou texas game because i went to college at a different college so my brother took me to the ou 2000 ou texas game and he's oh. like just prepare just prepare yourself he goes it's gonna be tough i'm like all right all right so it's 63 14 and and we jokingly had a tradition where we ate the funnel cake of victory afterwards you know one of those texas state fair hubcap sized funnel cake <laughs> so it became the it became the funnel cake of victory um so ever since then i've jokingly sort of had the 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 pastry of defeat or the pastry of victory so in order to try and break the losing streak i purchased the 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 donut of victory pre-game uh, <laughs> and i bought it from a new donut place in atlanta called the salty which has these really good donuts so anyway so uh, I broke the so guys, we won because I, I I pre-purchased that donut and to make sure that we would win. So I will be pre-purchasing a donut on Saturday morning, early Saturday morning, not as early as when the BYU game actually is. It's still noon here, but that 10 a.m. kick is ridiculous. But regardless, that cathartic, fairly complete win, what's a couple of things that just really stood out from that game that you just really liked? Uh you know, from a team perspective, I'll talk a little bit of like from a team perspective and then just from like a personnel perspective. Uh, you know, on a personal note, I, I continue to I don't ever want to give up on a guy. Right. And so never want to give up on like on, on Seve on Bird. So actually seeing him come in and be the right guard when the tower uh, got ejected for a, a, another just horrible call. I don't know why he got ejected when another kid punched him. That was odd. <laughs> but uh, seeing him come in like that, that was a, a good thing for me because you know, there's been a lot of talk about, Hey, you know, he, I think, was it uh, Oklahoma state only think he traveled, wasn't there. Uh, so seeing him come in 
that was big. So from an offensive line perspective, seeing Bird come in, get some run, like that was good because still he's this kid where if you could just get the best of him 90% of the time, and you know, he still needs to add, get another 20 pounds on him where, you know, when he, when he really locks in with, you know, bigger guys, he can maul them as well. Right. And stay hooked on because he can overwhelm guys initially with power and just with, you know, with that pop, right. And that force, but just get a little bit bigger where those guys that he can't, he can, he can, you know, continually maul. But seeing Jacob Sexton come in, he looked, uh, Seeing him talk this week about he's really just trying to get back to where he was last December, right? Just from a physical standpoint. But, you know, looking at him, man, he looks like, and I said this when he came out, like he does look like one of those guys that would go to Iowa and be a three year starter, then a first round draft. Or pick. Wisconsin, right? The guys or Wisconsin. Was, he yeah, looks those, fantastic on the hoof. These massively some German, long arms. some German sounding name, right? Like Badish. Yeah. Or, I whatever. mean, his shoulders are. You know, as broad yeah. as you, you'll find, which makes his wingspan, you know, that much more impressive. You know, so seeing him, he looks like uh, he's got the potential, you know, you know, pray the kid just continues to stay healthy and doesn't have any more issues. Got the potential to just be be a, be a dude on the offensive line, right? Another, it's like Pill's going to start stacking some some high draft picks probably. Uh, you know, so you, you'd love to see that from an overall team perspective. And we talked about this in the front end of the pod. And uh, I'm not the biggest fan of some of uh, talking about this on the board, some of just the personnel rigidity, like how rigid uh, Jeff Levy is to his concepts. Right. I think there are times where it can work for you, but it can work against you. And I think you need to be able to like shift and be more situational in moments. Right. And uh, like this year, good example, like what you see with the really wide splits from the wide receivers, like that's great in that it will, you know, if you've got receivers who can run by folks, you're going to get a lot of like single high looks, right? Zero coverage. Like you're going to have the ability to take shots. Now, if they can run with you, not as much. The other thing that does do though is, right, that takes them out of some of the run game. Right. They're not coming in and cracking on a safety. So the whole thing is built on running back. You tell whoever your back is, you've got to be able to make the one guy miss. Right. This year, Oklahoma struggled to do that. So seeing Sawchuck start to get there where he can make that guy miss has been good. But man, like <laughs> we could get in some bunch sets and just get a guy to get on, you know, get a piece of that safety where we can get some run game going. We don't have to be that that rigid to it. But seeing him figure out at least where he came out and said, okay, I'm not going to change that. But he figured out that we've talked a lot about identity. Like, what is your identity, right? You know, I think we figured out this team's identity has got to be aggressive. Like, that's just what it's got to be. Like, whether it's, you know, we're going to run the ball a bunch and we're going to use, you know, inside zone or duo, whatever they want to call it, or we're going to, you know, use uh, like this pin and pull stuff where, you know, GT counter, I guess they don't want to pull a tackle anymore, but, you know, tied in with it, you know, we're going to run a counter, whatever we're going to do, you know, whatever we're going to do from the passing game. At the end of the day, it's just got to be aggressive. When this team comes out and it really clicked watching them in that game, right? And then I clicked over and watched the Florida State-Miami game. And everybody's like, oh, Florida State might go to the playoff this year. They're one of the best teams in the country. And I'm like, but I watched a beat-up Oklahoma team. Should have kicked that team's ass. 
Oklahoma's playing like their fifth string offensive tackle on Aaron Parks because Sexton blew his knee out, you know, in pre-games because the field was so bad. Both your other tackles are off to the NFL. You've had to move, you know, Sevion Birds never played hardly. Like it was just right. Like I yeah, mean, yeah. We it was have scored, on color. We shouldn't have scored thirty-five points that night. Had no business. Well, the reality in is the 30s. they. But the, you know what? I think they should have in the sense that like when Jeff. I mean, on paper, he, pre-game, pre-game, on paper, oh, yeah, like on, yeah. on, on pre-game, paper, pre-game. With Jared Verse, Jared Verse, yeah. all those guys. It's you like, look at that team. Yeah. yeah and you look at yeah, – yeah, If you told me we would score 35 points, I'd be like, are you freaking crazy? I mean, right. Anton but, Harrison's not playing today, is he? You know, Eric yeah. Gray's not playing. You know, well, what's going on? But yeah, with this right. team, with this team, it's like sometimes I think, you know, they understanding their own limitations works against them. Where they're like, well, our margins are pretty tight because we're not super talented in some spots. So we got to play this a little bit safer and we'll just bleed this out and win. Okay, we did that against Cincinnati and it worked. Should have blown them out. SMU, it worked. Really probably should have, you know, beat them by more, right? You know, but you look at the Texas game, right? Even the Iowa State game, when you, when they got aggressive, when they came out and said, okay, we've got to be aggressive. And Texas is, you know, and West Virginia are the two best examples. When they came out and said, you know what? Like, all things being equal, we know we cannot win this game if we're not super aggressive. They didn't play clean against Texas. You know, you've got, you gave up a fake punt. You had a punt blocked, right? It was one of the worst special teams days. He missed a field goal, right? Like, that game should have been a 21-point game or a 17.0 you win. But – they won it ultimately because they did just like they did in that Florida State game where they said, you know what, the hell with it. This is who we are. We're going to be aggressive and we're going to attack. And I hope – I'm hoping like that's the thing I took away from that is like, okay, it clicked over like whether you like the scheme, don't like the scheme. When Jeff decides I'm going to be aggressive with what we do, we're going to run the ball downhill and we're going to attack you vertically. Whether that's with seam, you know, you saw some of the post routes with Nick Anderson and him being able to get inside that, that corner and, and split the safety. You saw deep ball to Jaden. Like when they're aggressive – I think that, that that offense and what what he does, that's where they're at their best. So I hope they figured that part of their identity out. I, I, I really do. And the other thing from a defense perspective that I loved was, you know, kind of – I think every, every OU fan has thought this probably since if you paid real close attention, it was actually easy to see last year when Oklahoma was getting their teeth kicked in by Texas. When they let Kip Lewis come in, dude just plays football. And it's just like I think it's maybe it's an instinct thing. He comes from one of the best programs in you know in Texas, East Texas at Carthage, right? But you know some guys are just uh, like Bobby Boucher, right? See ball, get ball, and uh, he does when he sees it, he keys and he goes. He doesn't he doesn't hesitate, right? Hesitation will get you killed out there, and he just goes. So when you when you, know, you see Danny at Mike and Kip at Will, I thought that you know. It really highlighted, I think, uh, how good that linebacker core can be moving forward because Danny brings a lot of stability, right? And I know he was in that kind of key position where it's a playmaker position. You know, it's your wheel linebacker in that defense, uh, you know. But I think, you know, Kip shown, right, from just an overall football player, he he can handle that. And having Danny at Mike, I thought, was was a bit of a game changer. The stability he brought, and he wasn't perfect. So you only think about it as he just continues to get more comfortable with some of his run fits, but just how much how much better he made the interior of that Oklahoma run defense. Because, you know, West Virginia, uh, I think, 
in, in conference play was leading the Big 12 in rushing. You know, that's what their whole thing was. Their entire persona is built around, we're going to run the ball just over and over and over and over. We're never going to give up on this. It doesn't matter what the score is in some regards. We're going to, because that's what we're going to do. We're going to run it and we're going to bleed clock. And Oklahoma's ability to, to take that away was, you know, was big. But seeing Danny at, at, at Mike, I thought was huge. Yeah, to me, the Sawchuck seems like he's getting it, like he's getting into the yeah. rhythm, sort of that. He's getting avoiding over guys. Soft tissue yeah. things were. He's, yeah. he's avoiding, he's making that guy miss that Eric Gray did last year. And the burst is there. I mean, he was much closer to almost like a 200-yard game. He had one big run called back because of holding. If you watch some of those runs, you're like, man, he's really close to going further on some of those runs. Like, he's, he's closer. He really to, is. To, is still, to still a Lincoln-Riley line, he's close. He's close. He is. <laughs> so I, I, I think if you have – if he puts up two, two, two good games to end this season, I think you're like, okay, all right, running back room – was a mess, but let's let's try and focus on where we landed, not how we not how we got there a little bit. Um, yeah, obviously the young kids on defense. That's the obviously you know I'm a recruiting guy, always got an eye in the future. But seeing the 22 and 23 kids on defense form like a foundation there, that's like huge for me because um, we didn't see that yeah. last year. We weren't yeah the young kids weren't we weren't seeing them play enough to see if they were getting better. This year you're like. Man, guys get on the field. They play better. They're getting better. It's, you know, you can you can just imagine where they're going and you're seeing, you know, better and, you know, better. I mean, you know, we have a possibility of a secondary that could have like Vickers, Jacoby Johnson, and, you know, Peyton Bowen and Robert Spears Jennings out there, right? It's like, okay, yeah, that, that's, some, the, uh, that's some freaking, that's some freaking dudes, right? I mean, it's like. The Jacoby Johnson the, interception doesn't get talked about. I mean, cause it kind of gets overlooked, right? Like that, his ball skills to quit, he IDs it and then, you know, yeah, undercuts it, play. you yeah. know, mid route. It was, it was a great play. But you think about those guys and then you think about like the, the five foot nine secondary we, we rolled out there for a period <laughs> of, the, of, of a period of time. I know you're talking about oh, like man. six, three, 200 at cornerback, 6'3", 215 at safety. You know, Bowen's, what, 6'1", 200 easy. Yeah. Vickers is 6'2", 190 easy. So it's just like – and then you talk about, you know, Brent. We all know when Brent has great linebackers, OU has a good defense. That's just that's just the way it goes, right? That's Yeah, and, and, and you've got us – I thought, you know uh, – and you even saw in that game, Kobe McKenzie, the more he plays, he's just getting better as well. So yeah. it'll be the thing that I'm he interested in that pick, entire. But he was right there. He was in the exact place. I know. He, he was right there. Right. Hit him Hit him right in the gut. The the one thing I'm really interested with the linebacker core, linebacker group is, is Desan. He is because, yeah. Yeah, I get, you know, when he's, when he comes back and he's healthy, because uh, I've said this a couple of times, right? Like you watch all the different tape and uh, he has been Oklahoma's, He's been their most physical edge defender, whether you want to call that a defensive end or a linebacker, right? Like in, in certain packages. And he's unbelievably disruptive. I continue to think, man, uh, in a perfect world, Oklahoma this year would have said, okay, uh, Danny, you're going to play Mike. You know, Kip and Jaron, you can fight out that backup spot. We're going to uh, – Kip, but uh, um, uh, Kobe McKinney. and, and Jaron. Yeah, you, you guys will fight for the backup spot there and we'll rotate someone. But will – is going to be Desan and Kip. 
and let those two rotate because, uh, you know, we talk about the wheel position being that kind of playmaker position. And you see how yeah. much Danny has had like tackles for loss and his sacks. Well, Desan is so good at like rushing the passer and he's so good at playing downhill across the line on the opposite line of scrimmage. I just wonder what he could be in that wheel spot. And that's probably hard because I know he wanted to play, you know, the cheetah spot. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think – Ultimately, you know, we need him on the field more. We need him on the field more. That's the end. That's the end point of that, right? It's just you watch when that kid's out there. He makes plays. Oakland needs to find a way to have Tassan on the field more, whatever that takes. And I guess the last thing for me was um, you mentioned it, so I'm going to steal it. But I saw it. I was watching the playback show, and it was on um, a Sawchuck's run where he got tackled right before the end zone. I'm like, keep your feet, kid. Get in the end zone. Is out of nowhere, I watched Josh Faneel blow up linebackers on back-to-back plays. And he did it on the goal line, on one of the goal line plays, too. He blew up somebody. I'm like, where the hell has this been? I know. So, I was saying, I, you knew me. You were like, you yeah. said, you watched the game. You thought, oh, okay, that's <laughs> mad, I bet. Because I did. I saw one of them, they had him in motion. And they had him come and wham the guy. And then the same thing on the ISO lead up on the backer. And... Immediately, I don't want to say I got mad, but I, I did say be like, "What the?" Because I thought to myself, "Where's this been?" Because well, you've been, you've been trying to come up with a guy. You've been trying to move Connor near to it. You've been trying to play somebody. another offensive line, but you've been like anything. Please, I still think, like, I still wish they would. I still wish that in certain packages, just from a run game perspective, they would throw Sexton out there and put him as. Everybody's doing it more and more. Any they game are, you watch, you watch they're putting, they're throwing you know six offensive linemen out, and I think Oklahoma could do that with Sexton and ability to get the edge on folks, especially like I'm going to get down a weed rabbit hole here, especially against when they play against TCU, because one of the things about the three three five is the ability to get the edge. If Oklahoma would come out in some you know six O line looks and have Sexton on the end, I think they could really rip apart TCU. Uh, defense and uh, on the ground, right? right. But the Fanul thing, yeah, like he did not hesitate when he let up on the backer. And I thought, well, he probably hasn't been playing because, you know, he's a basketball guy, really athletic, runs real well, but he's probably been hesitant, you know, for being physical. No, he wasn't hesitant at all. So, but you know what? You know, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt there and say, like, that's Something just, was, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you just got to develop that guy. It's probably taken right. him, you know, he's he hasn't played football since he was like a fre- freshman or sophomore in high school. I think freshman. So, you know, you know, that's just, I'm, you know what? That's actually one of those things. And you nailed it, right? Like, that's a big bright spot where you can say, we've talked about. Are, are some of these guys developing on offense, the second, third, you know, second, second team guys? Are they getting enough reps due to tempo to truly develop? So seeing Fanul, you said, you know, like, hey, at least there's some development going on at practice because he's. He, well, at least when he was brought in, right. He didn't like whiff and we're like, oh, God. My yeah, God. he didn't you look know? out of place at all. And he just, he, I'm, I was just like, uh, to your point, he was just so physical, like, all right. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing here. And I'm blowing that guy up because I'm bigger than he is. And because he's a big guy, he's not small. He is. Um, no, he's not. It's just like, I'm like, okay, let's, let's see more. Let's see more of that. I mean, I was like, did Braden Willis, did they sneak Braden I Willis know. back in the game somehow? Um, so it was, it was nice to see it to me. It was just, to me overall, it was just from a recruiting perspective, one of the, my tired narratives is it's all out there for OU, right? Have a good season. Yeah. Lock down the 24 class. 
then go to 25. You've got momentum. You're building momentum. And this win, because if they'd lost against West Virginia, I was really worried about the way the rest of the season was going to go, especially yeah, no, atmospherically um, from an atmosphere standpoint with the team. And, like, you know, was there something wrong in the locker room? But when you watch those guys out there, especially you watch Gabriel trying to pick a fight with the West Virginia guy, you know, <laughs> I, Matara is not – is not Ben Powers. He's never going to be an All-American. But, you know, I got no problem getting thrown out, you know, going after the guy who went after Drake. You know what I'm saying? Just a little. Yes, yeah, It was nice to see. If they were so sort of, I don't want to say passive on the road, but it was nice to see them back in Norman saying, you know, we're better than you are and we're going to kick your ass. Yeah, there was just this, again, like, you know, where like an there edge. was this. A little bit of an edge to them. Maybe it's the jerseys. Yeah. I don't know. But I think it was, it was nice. just them. Finally, letting it loose, right? It's like when they when they get tight, because maybe they understand too much of what their limits are. You know, they get against a team like Kansas, and they're like, "Well, you know what? If we just don't turn it over, you know, we'll be fine." And you know, it's just the reality of life, right? Kind of what you tend to focus on is what you get, and if you're focusing on not screwing up, you tend to screw up. Like, don't focus on not screwing up. You focus on what you need to do. Like go and you go make a play, go kick guys ass, you know, and that's the only thing I took away from like just a a negative was, uh, you know, just from an edge pressure pass rushing perspective. It's it's falling off. Oklahoma got up. Yeah, they they're getting uh, and hopefully Chavis is working on it. They've fallen into a bad habit in the back half of the year of like running down the center of a guy and not getting the edge. Even, even uh PJ, when he's in there, you know, he's, he's coming off and he's like dead, dead center of the guy. And, you know, he's too long and too explosive and athletic to, to not be playing. Well, he's going to be playing half a man, right? Like get that guy's outside shoulder, pressure him. If he oversets, you know, work back inside on him. But, you know, uh, hopefully they can get that fixed because, you know, BYU is, you know, they're not good on really either side of the ball. I think I'll put this on the site, I believe. Defensively, they're ranked 124th in total defense in the country. In offense, I think like 123rd in total offense. But that offensive number is really because they are, I think, one of their, like, if not, I think they're bottom five or six in the country in running the football. They average, it's actually gone up, uh, was, Big part of the year, they're averaging like 60 yards a game on the ground. They average like 90 yards a game on the ground as a team. Like it's not great, but that means they're going to throw the ball a lot, right? They, they understand we can't line up and just run the ball on people and be, you know, have a physical run game. So we've got to throw the ball a lot. So you would hope Oklahoma starts to get that figured out and can really heat up. Uh, if it's Slovis or I know they've playing another kid a little bit. I don't know if Slovis has been hurt, which hope they can heat him up. Yeah, it's um, that's yeah, I think so. That that that's one. That's a that's a good point. But overall, to me, it's like this is a huge game. You got to eight and two. You're pointing towards ten and two. Big Twelve Championship. At this point, we have no idea how OU gets into the Big Twelve Championship. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll what, change what, it next week. <laughs> you know, I I, I jokingly said the Big Twelve is going to retroactively re- recreate divisions to stop OU and Texas. From both getting into the Big Twelve Championship that year. Oh no, no, we just we we created divisions again. What? You know, it's like they're gonna just you know retroactively. You guys are in the South Division. Well, where's Houston? Well, they're in the North Division. What? What? 
So it's sort of like, you know, they're going to retroactively. So who knows? But if 10 and 2, win, win, you know, go to BYU, win, come home, have a good game against TCU, Black Friday, knock them out, you know, yep. if play well, then just whatever bowl game you fall into, hopefully you get like into a New Year's Six because I saw two lost Louisville and Penn State in there. I'm like, come on, man. OU's a better product than either of those teams. Um, oh, yeah. You know, the Cotton Bowl does not want – I don't mean this mean against Louisville, but if the Cotton Bowl has an option between choosing 10-2 and two Oklahoma and 10-2 and two Louisville, they're taking 10-2 and two Oklahoma because they know like, hey, you know, that's a sell Oklahoma out. people are going to show up. Sell out. Yeah, sell it's out. a sell out. Sell out. Oklahoma people are yeah. going to show up to every event all week, and they're going to sell this game out. Yeah. yeah. So – so yeah, so uh, that's what, it, and it's just the momentum driving forward, and to the point of the fact that you know you lost two games, and and Brent hasn't lost the team or the locker room. He was able to get a great performance out of them after those two losses. He was able to you know refocus the team and get them playing well, which I think there's some management issues with those games as well. But I think for Brent, overall big picture to get the team refocused. And that's a good West Virginia team. I mean, that's a good offensive line. Donaldson's – I bet Donaldson ends up on an NFL roster. Kind of like yeah. a – he's a Rashawn Johnson kind of type to me, like big guy, got good speed. And there's a couple of offensive linemen on that O-line that West for West Virginia that will be NFL guys. You know, Gabe Eichert says they have a good offensive line, and he hates everybody's offensive lines. So, including OU's most of the time. No, I know I know a, their, their center is talked about as – Gabe's a on O-line, but yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it just, no, I know joke, their really. centers talked about as one of the best. And, uh, you know, I think Nestor, the right tackle, was a Virginia Tech transfer, is a good player. Wyatt Milam, their left tackle. I think he was a, if he wasn't a five star, he was real close. He's been a multi year starter. And that's, he's, he's correct. I know that was absolutely one of the bigger points and bigger pieces, right? That's what was. I was worried about pregame. I was a little worried about, and that first drive, I was like, oh, crap. Um, yeah. That first offensive series, I was like, uh, oh crap, we're not, you know, if they if they're gonna run the ball like this on us, this is and and then play action and hit some deep passes, this is gonna be a long I day. Um, it looks like you know what's funny? This is true. And I'm the same exact way. When they went down the field like six plays, touchdown, and it was easy. They're scripted plays, you know, and, and that's that's the hardest drive of the game for the defense, and it's the best drive of the game for the offense. You know, you've seen the last X number of weeks, you know, uh USC has been has struggled offensively, and obviously they struggled real bad defensively, but their offense has not been you know, outside of the Washington game, has not been the same that you would expect. And you watch the game, you this is maybe the best example of what I'm trying to say is when you watch USC play with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, what you see is the stark contrast between the scripted plays, the first drive, and when they're not scripted. When they go that first drive of scripted plays, you see everything come out on time within the scheme, right? Caleb hits his back foot on the three-step, balls out. It is it, Everything's really quick and it is concise. As it gets away from that, it turns into backyard football of him doing like pirouettes and jumping over people and running around, you know, 50 yards and then throwing dimes or getting sacked. Like it turns into like he doesn't play within a structure at all. So – that that first set when West Virginia came out, it was like, man, they scripted that really well because they knew like we get in this, Brent's going to do that, we do this, he's going to counter with this, and he they went right down the field, and Brent was like, okay, I, I think I figured out what you guys are trying to do, and he turned around and locked it down, and uh, to see Oklahoma 
you know, because I think West Virginia, again, they've been so good at running the ball and they've been fantastic on first down, you know, and Oklahoma played on the opposite line, side of the line of scrimmage. TFLs was stuffing their run game. Uh, you know, it was, and everybody, it's funny, right? Everybody always says, oh, Oklahoma struggles against a, a mobile quarterback, right? First off, everybody struggles against a mobile quarterback. Because <laughs> he gives you an extra guy in the run game. And yeah. if Mike, you can Mike run. Vick, Mike Vick yeah. brutalized everybody, guys. Wouldn't have just yeah. been Oklahoma if they played him, okay? It's like, it's always that, it's that, it's always bothered me. It's like, oh, everybody was struggling against that guy. It's like, yeah, everybody does, not just that team, right? But uh, to see Oklahoma, that's one of the better games against a really athletic quarterback. I thought they're. Their, uh, their, I mean, it was their game plan, what they did. It was just, it was really good. So, you know, it was, uh, it was impressive to see them come out in that. Cause I'm the same with you. Like, after it's hard to know with Oklahoma State with Danny Stutzman being out, right? Because, you know, and they he played just well that day, though. Defensively, they, they did. still played well that day. I mean, they did. They did. Offensively, you told again, me, it was you just, told me they could have held them to like 21 points, really, which is what they really did if you ignore yeah. the, the kickoff return and stuff. If you told me they were going to hold them like 24 points, I'd be like, well, we're winning, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah hopefully. I mean, and that's where I go back. I hope that like that Jeff is just – he's grown. And, you know, look, like take anybody that starts a job and, you know, they're, they're going to be a very different person after two years than they were after six months, right? Like – and as I would hope anyway, competent people do, they grow and Jeff's a competent guy. And I hope that what he's figured out is, Hey, when I'm true to our identity and our identity is just being aggressive, when I'm true to that, like they're really good. Even, you know, Gabriel has like some limitations with arm strength and size. And, you know, he's not, you know, he's not Brendan Zerbrug, right? He's not, or, or, uh, or uh, Michael Hawkins. He's not six two, six three, six four, two hundred and fifteen, two hundred twenty pounds. Not that guy. Uh, but you know, even when he's aggressive with 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 Dylan, like Dylan's a good college quarterback. And when they're aggressive, you know, they went out. And the other and the other skill guys are clicking, right? I mean, you That's use right. all the you use your weapons. That is true um, because I will say, like I thought that uh, I thought one of the best bounce back games was Nick Anderson. Nick did not play particular. He he struggled in some moments against Oklahoma State, even in even as a blocker, you know. And even that route everybody talks about was was not probably not a great call. The fourth down play, you know, uh, he he's supposed to get a bit of a rub, right? And he gets just kind of manhandled by the corner. And so, like I thought, he played better in every area. And he's a young guy. I mean, and Gibson, oh, yeah. young, they are. They, I mean, they're. I mean, just forget the fact they were. They existed last year, right? This is this yeah. is year this is year one for them. This is, you know, if you if you if they can build off this year one, both of those guys, then and then you build off some of the other the other the other guys. Maybe, um, you know, Andrell comes back, or um, and you don't have to maybe push him back if you've got some of the other guys clicking like they have. And and then of course, you know, I'm the recruiting guy, so I got to mention the fact Zion Kearney enrolling in January. Um, that's a big piece. Taylor Tatum, he's coming in June. Um, and Davin Mitchell, all signs are that he's on campus in January. That's that's my the triplets of this recruiting class. Those three guys all represent talent upgrades uh, on this roster. Um, no, Zion's going to be. Um, he's. I'll be. I'll just be surprised he doesn't play as a true freshman. 
I would I'd be shocked. Yeah, I'd be shocked. Yeah, because yeah. I think, yeah. So I, I think so too. So, all right, guys. Thanks, everyone. We've we've, we've talked our talked our way through this, and <laughs> we're going to record this uh, podcast again early next week. Um, try and keep a track of what's going on with all the recruiting stuff. I. If you ask me when Grant Bricks is going to commit at this point, I'm going to say signing day because I got nothing else <laughs> telling me anything else. So I think he may he may drag us all the drama, and I don't think he's doing it deliberately. Not like not like some diva because he doesn't post anything on social media asking fans to follow him or something like that. So so just we'll keep an eye on that the portal stuff. I think is about to blow up. It's going to get really interesting very quick. December fourth is when the portal opens for everybody. But I'm pretty sure A&M players can go in the portal right now because of their coach being fired. They get uh, they get 30 days, so they can jump in the window a little earlier. Watch watch out, see who else maybe is. What other rosters are maybe looking for some looking looking for somewhere else to go? We know Mississippi State. There's a lot of rumors about Baylor, UCLA's floating around on message boards. I don't know how true that is, but it could get real interesting real fast in the portal. So, oh yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be keeping track of all of that. We'll be back next week. We'll do another mid-season review of a player or two, and uh, we'll go from there. Thanks, everyone. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.